This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, fishing off the coast of Florida, on editor Perry White's boat, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen see a strange and mysterious glow on the horizon. A glow that Kent, making use of Superman's incredible eyesight, calls fantastic and amazing. We've got to go out there and investigate it, Chief. Are you crazy? It's getting dark. Oh, don't be difficult, Chief. I'm not chasing a light all over the Atlantic Ocean on a 34-foot fishing boat. Isn't just a light. How can you tell from here? It's miles away. Well, I can tell. Unless my eyes deceive me, it's something out of this world. Gang, how many times have you opened your sleepy eyes in the morning and groaned, Oh, how I hate to get up in the morning. Oh, how I love to remain in bed. Well, I bet we've all done that a million times or more. Well, that song sounds just like we feel on a sleepy morning. And the man who wrote How I Hate to Get Up in the Morning is a genius of expressing our feelings in song. He manages to catch our laughs and tears, put them into his battered old piano, and come out with music that says just what we want it to. And that's why the whole nation loves and sings his songs, the songs of Irving Berlin. This month, Irving Berlin celebrated his 60th birthday, and next month, his 40th year in songwriting business. And all America celebrates with him. Or as Jerome Kern once said, Irving Berlin has no place in American music. He is American music. It's been a long, long time since Irving was a skinny little kid in New York slums. His father, a rabbi, died four years after the family came to America, and Irving had to help support the family by selling newspapers. Eventually, he got a job as a singing waiter down in Chinatown. His voice wasn't very good, and he couldn't write music down on paper. But his head was popping with tunes. Tunes he had to make into songs for all America to sing. These songs became some of our greatest hits. One of them is a ballad that almost rivals the Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. You may have heard of the song. It's called God Bless America. It's Irving Berlin's hymn of gratitude and devotion to the country to which he owes so much. And that owes so much to him. (laughs) 
And now, the adventures of Superman. You can't ignore it, Chief. You've got to go out there. Oh, where are the binoculars? Well, I've got them. It looks like a fire. Yeah, let's have them. Here. Point them that way. I know how to point them. Well? Mm, it isn't a fire. What is it, then? I don't know. Whatever it is, we better get out there and hurry. Who's running this boat? You or me? Now, Sorry. Chief, don't lose your temper. Don't give me that now, Chief. Okay. I'll take the wheel. No, you won't. All lines up? Yeah, all up. Mm, I don't know why I let you Davison's talk me into things. I know I won't get any peace unless we waste time and gas chasing a globe in the sky. So here goes. Looks like a barge or something. Don't lean too far over the rail, Jim. Oh. What do you make of it, Clark? It does look like a barge, but a fancy one. Boy, I'll say it's fancy. All silks and satins and stuff. All right, all right. Stop the kidding. You've seen enough now. I'll turn around. No, Chief. Please. You can't turn back Mr. now. Kent. Mr. Kent. What is it, Jim? Look, there's a lady on that barge, and she... She's dead. Ted, what are you talking about? Didn't you see her, Mr. Kent? Well, yes, I did, but I I, I didn't want to say anything. Let me have the glasses, Clark. Here. Stop all the crazy things. Well, I don't see anything, Jim. Except silk and velvet and satin drapery. Yeah, that's where she is. Right in the middle of them, toward the back. She's got kind of a long white dress. You're right, Jim. I do see her now. Good heavens. Hurry up, Chief. Get close to the barge. Start, Chief. Slow down, Chief. Full speed ahead, Chief. Hurry up, Chief. Who's riding this boat anyway? You are, Chief. Swing her over to starboard. Hurry. I know what I'm doing. Clark, what's this light pouring down on the barge? I don't know. It's coming from the top of the mast. It's a big bulb or something. Okay, throttle down, Chief. We'll drift alongside. What do you do? Stop giving me orders. Sure. I'll get the boat. Won't be necessary, Jim. Tide's slack and there's no wind. Just be careful we don't bump. You take the stern, Jim. Okay. Uh, Lois, you watch it here with me. I'll take the bow. Get him, motor, Chief. Huh. That's fine. All right, we'll drift right alongside. Everybody watch it now. Hold her off. That does it. Yeah. And now what? We're going on board. At least I am. Out here, Kent. I don't want you to... Wait a minute. What was that? It sounds like a bird. That's what it was. A bird's call. But I don't see any bird. Do you, Clark? No, but I, I see the light on the mast. The sound came from that direction. Uh, now I suppose you'll tell me a light can whistle like a bird. Oh, not exactly, but that light is no ordinary light. Watch it a minute. See? See how it flickers as though it were turning from side to side? Yeah. Look out! Hey, the light's coming. It's flying. Oh, get down, everybody! Ah! Gone yet? Okay. Back on the barge now. Boy, that was close. What was it? A bird. A bird that glows in the dark? That's right, Jim. Well, that settles it. Now, push off. We're heading back. Nothing doing, Chief. There's something mighty queer aboard that barge, and I'm going to find out what it is. Wait a minute, Clark. I'm coming along. Yeah, me too. Nothing doing. You stay here. Oh, gosh, Mr. White. We'll be right back, Jim. Come on, Lois. Stick close. Careful here, Lois. Okay. Feels like we're walking on velvet. Clark. What? We are walking on velvet. Thick, red velvet. Shh, keep your voice down. That light is beginning to flicker again. Oh. Okay, now it's quiet. Look. Look, there's the girl stretched out on a, on a satin couch. Oh, Clark. Why, she's beautiful. Yes. You stay here, Lois. I'm going to see if she's alive. The bird may fly at us again. If he does, fall flat on your face. All right, but be careful. I will. Is she alive, Clark? Well, the hands are cold. Can you feel any pulse? No. 
No, and I can't tell whether she's breathing or not. Wait a minute. I think I have a mirror in my pocket. Stay where you are. I'll, I'll come and get it. Here. My thanks. Of course, I don't see how you can see the breath on the mirror if there's no pulse. We'll see. Hey, what's getting you over there? Tell him we'll be right back. We'll be right back, Chief. Any breath on the mirror, Clark? It's hard to tell. We better go back to the boat. Come on. I don't think the bird wants us to leave the barge. We're not leaving it. We're towing it in with us. Well, that seems silly. Why not just take the girl? Because, Lois, there's something queer about this whole setup. Listen. On the mast right up that girl's head, I saw a gold plate. And on it was engraved... The good ship Illyria, built in the year of our Lord, 1202. 1202? Yes. Clark, what are you talking about? No, it sounds strange, but... And, Miss Lane. It's all right, Jim. We're coming back now. Here, take my hand, Miss Lane. Thanks, Jim. Here, Jim. Take this rope from the barge and tie it fast to the stern cleat, please. Sure thing. Well, so you're finally back. What'd you find? Tell you in a minute, Chief. Let's make the port in a hurry. Go ahead. Start giving me orders. Don't tell me anything. Just give me orders. Don't be that way, Chief. Okay, we... she's tied fast, Mr. Kent. What's tied fast? The barge. We're towing her in. Oh, we are. Yes. What do you think I'm running? A tug? Please, Chief. We haven't much time. Ah, that's too bad. I'm not ruining my boat towing barges around. Let the Coast Guard tow it in. Now, look, Chief. If that girl's alive, she won't stay that way much longer. Oh, all right. That's my trouble, a soft part. I should have put my foot down in the first place. Let's see. Hey, what are you doing with that radio? Contacting the Coast Guard. I want them to have a doctor standing by when we come in. Marauder to Coast Guard. Marauder to Coast Guard. Towing the strange barge with its strange human cargo astern, Perry White's cruiser heads for the distant shore. And now... Back to the adventures of Superman. A gaily painted barge bearing the seemingly lifeless figure of a mysterious girl and a curious bird that glows in the dark is now tied up at the municipal dock of Florida Fishing Port. Perry White, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen look on anxiously as the doctor, summoned by the Coast Guard, examines the girl. My uh, stethoscope, please, young man. Yes, sir, right here. Thank you. Any heartbeat at all, Doctor? Just a trace, Mr. Kent. Well, at least she's alive. Alive, yes. Oh, where did I put my flash? Uh, this one, sir. The pinpoint light? Yes, yes, that's it, thank you. Oh, let me see. What's he looking in your eyes for, Mr. Kent? Oh, Jim. That's very strange. Very strange indeed. Look here, Mr. White. What is it? Watch the pupils of her eyes. See what happens when I put the light on them. Gosh. They get bigger and bigger. That's right. Well, isn't that unusual, Doctor? Don't the pupils contract and get smaller under light? Either that or show no reaction at all. I don't quite understand this. Could she possibly be suffering from some form of sleeping sickness? I don't, Mr. Kent. What else could it be? I can't give you an answer now, Miss Lane. I can only say that this young woman is in a mysterious state of unconsciousness. A like which I have never seen or heard of in all my 20 years of medical practice. It is my opinion that if she's not awakened within the next few hours, she will most certainly die. Echoing the doctor's pronouncement of impending doom, the strange glowing bird perched on top of the mast whistles mournfully. Who is the unconscious girl on the barge? Gang, this is the beginning of the strangest, most exciting Superman story you have ever heard. So don't miss a word of it. Tune in tomorrow for Chapter 2 of the amazing mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on... The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine.
and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman races against death in a valiant effort to save the mysterious sleeping beauty found at sea. She's paler, Doctor, and her hands are dry and hot. I was afraid of that. She's dehydrating. The body is losing moisture. Well, shall we try giving her water? I'm afraid she can't swallow. No? No, that won't work. I have some pills here at the hospital that may help, at least temporarily. But... Can I come right over for them? It's been 60 miles from where you are, Mr. Kent. I know, but I, I think I... Two hours or more to get here. Right? Maybe not. Just stand by. We'll work this out. Try to picture a situation, gang, in which you wake up in the morning hungry as a bear. You jump out of bed, clean your teeth, wash, dress, then dash into the dining room or kitchen for your breakfast. But when you get there, you are greeted by the sight of your mother's sad face and her broken-hearted announcement that there is nothing to eat in the house. No food at all. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? You can't believe anything like that is possible ever, anywhere. Well, let me tell you how wrong you are. Because there are many places in the war-torn world today where scenes like the one I just described to you happen almost every day. That's right. As a matter of fact, nearly half of all the children in the world, about 230 million of them in Europe and Asia, are almost always hungry. Many of them are sick, very sick, as a result of being undernourished and improperly dressed. Can you think of a more unhappy situation than that? And can you think of anyone who needs your help more than those 230 million unfortunate boys and girls 
I'll bet you can. What can you do about it? Plenty. Here's one thing you lucky boys and girls of America can do. You can join the newly organized crusade for children and lend your efforts to the campaign to make life more bearable and far more pleasant for those sick, hungry, and unhappy children in Europe and Asia. This is your chance to do your part to help boys and girls like yourself to grow up strong and healthy and by so doing, deserve the gratitude of those children who will someday grow up to help you make this a world of peace and plenty for all. In a little while, I'll tell you more, so keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Fishing off the coast of Florida on Editor Perry White's boat, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen noticed a mysterious glow on the horizon. Investigating, they found a strangely beautiful barge, hand-carved and brilliantly painted, floating on the water some five miles offshore. As they drew closer to the craft, they were attacked without warning by a small bird whose shape and color they could not see because of the blinding phosphorescent light surrounding it. Understanding, finally, that they meant no harm, the bird allowed Kent and Lois to board the barge, where, to their amazement, they found a beautiful young girl either dead or in a deep sleep. As we continue now, the mysterious barge has been towed into shore and is tied up at a pier. In the gathering darkness, Kent and Lois look on anxiously as a doctor summoned by the Coast Guard examines the girl. There are long moments of silence. Then, finally, the doctor speaks. I'm afraid there's very little I can tell you, Mr. Kent, Miss Lane. Well, at least she's not dead. No, but uh, she's in a peculiar state of unconsciousness, the like of which I have never seen heard of in all my 20 years of medical practice. And I believe that unless she's awakened within the next few hours, she'll die. What's that? That's the bird that was with her on the boat. Seems to understand what you're saying. It's uncanny. It makes chills run up and down my spine. Isn't there anything we can do, doctor? Hadn't we better get over to a hospital as soon as possible? Unfortunately, the nearest hospital is 60 miles from here. In her condition, I don't think she should be moved that far. We could probably make her comfortable at the hotel, Lois. I'll run over to the Coast Guard office and get the keys to Mr. White's car. He's there with Jimmy, giving them a report. Oh, that uh, won't be necessary, Mr. Kent. I can drop you off. Oh. I've oh. taken a sample of her blood. I think I'll spend the next few hours at the hospital laboratory making some tests in an effort to solve this thing. Uh, your hotel is on the way. That'll be fine, Doctor. Uh, if you'll take the bag, Miss Lane, I'll help Mr. Kent carry it. Oh, the yes, Doctor. Oh, I can manage alone. She's not very heavy. There we are. Light as a feather. Clark, be careful. The bird is liable to attack you. Oh, I don't think so. Strange how he resents it the moment anyone touches the girl. Yes, you go on ahead, Lois. Open the car door. What about the bird? Chances are he'll follow us. Go ahead. Clark, look out! Oh, good Lord. What happened? It's all right. It's all right. Just flew down and landed on his shoulder. It's almost human the way he refuses to be separated from her. I don't understand. I think he realizes we're friendly. Get the car door open, Lois. We have no time to waste. What time is it, Clark? 6.30. I suppose all we can do is sit and wait. Mm -hmm. Almost like a death watch. Oh, incidentally, the chief and Jimmy don't know we're at the hotel. What about that? They'll find us. What's the answer to all this, Clark? Oh, 
Well, if I knew, Lois, we wouldn't be sitting here with an unconscious girl stretched out on the bed and a strange bird perched at the foot of it, guarding her. Well, at least we solved one mystery. What's that? We learned that the bird glows only in the dark. Oh. He's about the size of a crow, isn't he? A little smaller, I'd say. Deep red, except for the two yellow spots on either side of his bill. <gasps> there goes that mournful whistle again. Yeah. It keeps repeating it over and over. Uh-huh. Every two or three minutes. Almost as though he would try to tell us. Oh, now, look, Paul, don't make things any worse than they are. Uh-huh. All we need to drive us completely out of our minds is a talking bird. Oh, I meant to ask you. What? what about that business of the barge being built in 1202? I don't know. That's what it said on the nameplate. The good ship Illyria, built in the year of our Lord, 1202. Well, that's impossible. Let's see. 1202 would make it 700 and... 746 years 46 ago. 46 years ago. Isn't that ridiculous? Hardly seems likely, but... Wait. What's the matter? She seems to be getting paler, Lois. Oh, no. Quick, feel her hands. They're hot and dry. Clark, she's dying. Take it easy now. Don't get panicky. But we're, we're so helpless. There's nothing can do. Oh, that must be the doctor. I'll take it. Hello. Mr. Kent? Yes, doctor. Oh, thank I'm you. at the hospital laboratory. Yes? Uh, we've made a few tests, but haven't found anything yet. Oh. Uh, has there been any change? Why, yes. She seems to be getting paler, and her hands are hot and dry. Oh, I was afraid of that. She's dehydrating. I beg your pardon? Uh, she's dehydrating. Her body is losing water, drying up. Oh. What do you think, Just uh, You see, Mr. Kent, uh, once the body dries out, well, that's the end. I see. Well, isn't there any way of preventing that? Only with the proper equipment. I've always been under the impression, Doctor, that human beings could go without food and water for days and they weeks. go without food, but not water. Oh, well, what would you suggest? I have some pills here at the laboratory that would at least temporarily stop the dehydration, but there's no way of getting them to you in time. Well, now, perhaps I could arrange to have them picked up. How? I don't know at the moment, but where is the laboratory? It's a uh, two-story gray building adjoining the hospital here in Palm City. It's 60 miles from where you are. I'll see what I can do. In the meantime, can we try feeding her some water? I doubt whether she'll swallow it, but there's no harm trying. Very well, Doctor. Thank you. I'll call you again if the tests we're making turn up anything. Right. Well, what is it? We've got to work fast, Well, Lois. I know that, but what do we do? Get a handkerchief or a towel or something, wet it, and put it against her mouth. What in the world is that for? Never mind. Just do it. Where are you going? We've got to find an eyedropper somewhere. I'll be right back. Lock the door behind me. Sixteen miles to Palm City. That's not too bad, but I've got to work fast. Out of these clothes. <clears throat> Only a few minutes to get those pills from the hospital laboratory. As Superman. There's a window at the end of the hall. Now, up with it. Out! And away! <laughs> Through the night sky travels Superman, swifter than a rocket, his red cape streaming in the wind. Faster almost than the speed of light, he streaks over the quiet seaside. Soon he leaves the ocean shore behind him and approaches the inland city where the hospital laboratory is located. His amazingly keen eyes peer down, trying to locate the building he is looking for. For a moment he hesitates. Then he swoops toward one building. Then another. There it is. Two-story gray building. I see the laboratory on the top floor. Onto a window ledge. Down! There we are. Now up to the window. What in heaven's name? What do you mean breaking in like this? I... Sorry. Oh, it's Superman. Forgive me if I started you, Doctor, but I have to get in as quickly as possible. Well, uh, what is it you want? Uh, some medicine. Pills, I think. Clark Kent oh, said... Oh, yes, yes, of course. I have them right here. Good. Oh, there. There you are. Thank you. The directions are on the bottle. Good. 
I'll leave the way I came, if you don't mind. Oh, of course not. Thank you again, Doctor. Uh, don't mention it. I only hope they work. I hope so, too. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Oh, and away! Streaking into the sky again, Superman once more calls on his mighty muscles for their last ounce of speed. Will he arrive in time? And if he does, will the medicine save the strange, unconscious girl? We'll return in a moment to find out. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Hurtling through the darkness, the Man of Steel covers 10 miles, 20 miles, 50 miles in the space of seconds. And finally drops to the open window of the hotel corridor he left a bare few minutes ago. Quickly, he dons Clark Kent's clothes and horn-rimmed glasses hidden under his wide flowing cape. That done... He steps to the locked door of the room where Lois Lane is watching over the mysteriously unconscious girl. Who is it? It's Clark. Open up, Lois. I've got the pills, Lois. Now we can... What? What's the matter? Clark. She... She's dead. Clark Kent stands in the doorway, staring at the still white figure on the bed. For the first time in his life, he realizes that even Superman has failed. And more important, the secret of who the strange young girl is and how she came to be afloat on the ocean will be lost forever. Or will it? There's a surprise in store for all of us in tomorrow's tense and exciting episode. So be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Time, same station for Chapter 3 of The Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman, strange visit from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman in his guise of Clark Kent is convinced that the only thing that will awaken the mysterious sleeping beauty is the song of the scarlet bird. You know, it's a strange thing, but she seems to get stronger whenever that bird sings. 
Did you notice that, Lois? Oh, Clark, I don't think it has anything to do with the bird or its singing. Wait a minute. I'll wager I know what it is. I'll bet that if we could complete that melody, it might bring her back to life. Gang, all of us want to be popular with our friends. We want to be looked up to and admired. That's only natural. But it takes certain special qualities to make a person popular. You have to have the knack of getting along with all kinds of people. But it doesn't take any magic formula to do that. It takes only a real interest in other boys and girls. When you say, hi, kid, what's new? Show that you really want to know what's new. Don't just say an empty phrase. Then listen carefully to what your friend has to tell you. Show that you really care about what's been happening to him. And here's another tip. You'll find that a popular boy or girl is never a fair-weather friend. He's never buddy-buddy with you when things are, aren't going your way and out of sight when you're in a jam. He's always a good pal, a real friend. He's around when you need him, when the going gets tough, and he'll stick by you through thick and thin. Believe me, gang, true friends are soon forgotten. And finally, remember that popular boys and girls pick their close friends wisely. Their best pals are only the finest kids in the neighborhood. That's a proof that their friendship stands for something and isn't given lightly. They are on good terms with everyone, but their real buddies are tried and true boys and girls who rate with them because they are regular goddess. Well, gang, those are a few suggestions for you to mull over in your mind. It's not some magic formula that gives boy or girl lots of friends. It's just being a good friend in return. And now, the adventures of Superman. You remember the doctor who examined the mysterious sleeping girl found aboard the ancient, magnificently decorated barge? Tell Clark Kent and Lois Lane nothing of the nature of her seemingly deep sleep. But he did say that if she was not awakened in a few hours, she would die. While the girl was being taken to Lois's hotel room, Editor Perry White and Jimmy Olsen went to make a report at the Coast Guard offices. When it looked as though the girl's life was really ebbing away, Clark Kent, in his true role of Superman, made a desperate attempt to get some pills from a hospital laboratory 60 miles away, which might possibly save her. But on his return, as Clark Kent again, Lois met him at the door to tell him that in his absence, the girl had died. Momentarily stunned, he finally found voice. Why, oh, I can't believe it, Lois. I, I've only been gone a few minutes. It happened just after you left. Oh, Clark. How did you find out? I decided to take her pulse to see if she was any weaker. And her pulse had stopped completely. Here, let me try it. It's no use, Clark. Oh, you're wrong. It's still beating very faintly. Are you sure? Yes. Wait, Scott, I forgot about the pills. Here, put one on her... Where did you get them? Don't mind that now. Hurry. Say, that's strange. What? When the bird started to sing, her pulse became much stronger. Now that he stopped, the pulse is weaker. Really, Clark, now you're going too far. It's probably only the pill working. Maybe, but I've had a feeling all along that that bird's peculiar song has something to do with the mystery of her sleep, and now I'm certain of Now, it. wait a minute. I'm sure there must be some connection between the song that bird sings and her awakening. I don't know what it is any more than you do. Well, now that you've gotten that bright idea, what do you intend to do about it? I have an idea, Lois. Do you remember Kogal? Kogal? No. Who's he? You remember the man who helped us decode that musical spy message? Oh, yes, I do. The Hungarian musician who teaches at the Metropolis Conservatory. That's right. But what good can he do as he's in Metropolis and we're in Florida? Call him on the telephone. You keep an eye on the girl and keep those pills on her tongue. Hello? Operator? Operator? Your order, please. 
Oh, I'd like to put through a long-distance call to Metropolis, person to person, to Stefan Kogal, K-O-G-A-L, Park Boulevard, Metropolis. An operator, will you make it as fast as you can, please? Hello? Hello. Hello, Kogal? Yes, who is this? Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Why, hello, Kent. Hello. It's a long time since I've heard from you. Yes, I know, Kogal. Uh, I need your help once more. It's fine, fine. What is it this time? Another enemy message written in music? No, no, Kogal. This time I'm afraid it's even tougher than that. I like problems. Good. Tougher the better. Well, listen to this one. I'm calling a hotel room in Florida. There's a girl here in the room in a deep sleep. She's dying and no one can awaken her. She has a bird with her who sings a strange, unfinished tune. Now, I'm just taking a wild chance that this tune, the whole tune, is the key to her awakening. I see. And you think I can help you get the completed song? That's right. Now, listen. I'll whistle the tune for you over the telephone. All right. Go ahead. Is that all? That's all. Well, it isn't much, but uh, offhand, I'd say it sounds like a 12th or 13th century melody. You're on the right track, Kogal. Do you know the name of it or where I can get a copy? Ah, if only Horace Pinder was there. Horace Pinder? Who's he? He's uh, a friend of mine. Horace Pinder is a friend of mine. He is an expert in medieval music, but he's been ill. For the past 20 years, he's lived in Arizona. Does he have a telephone? No, he has. No? He lives by himself in a small white house in the hills near Tucson, Arizona. I see. He's become pretty much of a hermit. You see, he's very old. Well, I'm going to try to contact him anyway, Kogal. It's our only chance. Meanwhile, if you hit on anything, will you let me know? Yes. You can reach me at Pine 621 at Sands Point, Florida. Pine 621, right. Sands Point, uh, Florida. That's right. I'll do my best, Kent. You can be sure of that. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, I told you it wouldn't work. Somehow you managed to find more blank walls to hit your head against, Clark. Well, we've gone through blank walls before, Lois. Well, how are you going to get through this one? I'll wire Horace Pinder. You sit tight and don't forget, lock this door. Now, how do these close? This time I've really got to work against odds. Small white house in the hills near Tucson. Well, if anyone can find it, Superman can. Now... I'll put this window again. Out and away! And so, once more, within the space of an hour, Superman wings through the inky night. He knows he's fighting not only against time, but against the very forces of life and death. Faster than a thunderbolt, he hurtles through space, red cloaks streaming behind him. Then, soon after... This must be where I can find the little white house. Not far from Tucson, Kogal said. Well, there are a few houses, but no, Kogal said it stands alone. Oh, wait a minute. That must be it. Down! Down! No time to knock. I'll just try the door. Good, it's open. There's an old man sitting in a room at the end of the hall. That must be Horace Pinder. Who is there? It's Superman, Mr. Pinder. Superman? Yes. This is a surprise. Well, I must say you're not nearly as startled as most people who see me appearing out of nowhere. Well, my boy, I hope you don't mind my calling you my boy. I'm really much older than you are. Go right ahead. You see, when you live alone in the hills this way, with only your thoughts for company, you spend many an hour imagining things. I've read of you... And often the time I've wished I could be so strong and tell people the way you do. 
Well, Mr. Pinder, now you can help someone. That's why I'm here. Really? I I don't quite understand. I'll explain everything on route. I see a number of musical instruments around. Perhaps we'd better take one with us. Ah, uh, let's see. That flute. Do you play that? Yes, of course. All right. You ready to go with me? Go with you? Yes. You mean fly with you? Oh, it's perfectly safe, I assure you. But I, I'm not the least bit worried. In fact, I, uh, I'm thrilled. Good. What are we waiting for? Oh, wonderful. You go on to my cape. Like this? Oh, I wouldn't miss this for all the money in the world. Then out this garden window. So. And up. Up and away! <laughs> musician and his flute cradled under his cape, Superman heads back across the country again, south toward Florida. Can his theory that the song of the Scarlet Bird has something to do with the mysterious girl's awakening prove right? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. With no time to return to the guise of Clark Kent, Superman, still garbed in his red cape and blue costume, enters the room of the Florida hotel with the old musician. At the moment, Lois Horace Pinder and the Man of Steel are waiting silently for the strange scarlet bird to trill its peculiar melody. Just when we want to hear it, he won't sing. Patience, Miss Lane. There. He's starting. Quiet. That's it, Mr. Pinder. The melody he's been singing all along. Does, does it mean anything to you? Kogel was right. It is undoubtedly part of the 12th or 13th century liturgy. Yes, the trouble is the bird stops short. It doesn't finish it. You can somehow conclude that melody, Mr. Pinder. Clark Kent thinks it may have an effect on the girl. I will try. But we've got to hurry. It's been almost two hours since we got her here. Right. And the doctor said unless you regain consciousness in two Just hours... let me take my flute out of its cage. There may be only minutes left. Are you ready, Mr. Pinder? Yes, I'm ready. Good. Now, let us see what we can do. Raising the slender silver flute to his lips, the little old musician prepares to mimic the plaintive melody of the bird and, if possible, to add the missing notes. And as he does so, both Lois and Superman watch the mysterious girl lying still and white on the bed. What will happen? Gang, don't miss Monday's breathtaking episode, Chapter 4 of The Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. <laughs> Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comic Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Series soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for the great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. (laughs) 
Superman attempts to work a miracle to save the life of the mysterious young girl found on board a strange barge. Every minute counts, Mr. Pinder. Unless you can do something, that girl is going to die. Believe me, Superman, I'll do everything in my power. I am old, and the road for me is coming to an end. She is young, and for her, life's road is yet to be traveled. I would willingly give what is left of my life to save hers. I want to take just a moment, gang, to read you part of a letter from a little Czechoslovakian girl who was only three years old when a great tragedy entered her life. Even though I was but very little then, she writes, I shall never forget the scene near Horrocks' barn where my father was shot and killed by the enemy. After that, I was taken away and sent to the house of Elsa Schultz in Germany. They told me that from then on I was to be her child. But I was unhappy there because she always hit me. Then, when the war was over and the Allied soldiers came, they thought I really was Frau Schultz's child because by then I spoke only German. So they put me in an internment camp with her, and I got sick there. Then, when I was better, they sent me to a home for German orphans. And that was where my real mother found me. Now I don't have to be afraid of Elsa Schultz. I'm still hungry, and I have a very bad cough. But my mama tells me soon I will have more to eat, and I will get better, because I have good friends in America who will send food to my mama and me so we can get well and strong again. Pathetic, isn't it? Yes, it's even more pathetic when you consider the fact that there are thousands and thousands of boys and girls overseas whose plight is just as bad as that of this little girl. Can you sit back and enjoy the food and comfort you have without sharing a bit with those who are so much less fortunate? Now, I'm sure your answer to that is no. Well, a little later, I'll tell you what you can do to help. So, keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. It was only a few hours ago that Perry White, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen, cruising off the coast of Florida, discovered a magnificently decorated barge bearing a beautiful young girl so deeply asleep she might have been dead. And above her on the masthead was perched a strange bird, no larger than a crow, who, as soon as darkness came, was surrounded by so blinding a light that even his scarlet coat of feathers could not be seen. The doctor who examined the girl warned Kent and Lois that unless she were awakened soon, she would certainly die. Then, after all other methods of reviving her had failed, Kent finally hit on the idea that the the bird kept singing might be a clue to the spell she was under. And as Superman, he brought to the hotel room an old musician who was an expert in medieval music. And once again, Kent was right. The old man had played only a few phrases on his flute when the beautiful sleeping girl moved. Meanwhile, Perry White and Jimmy Olsen are still at Coast Guard headquarters, being questioned by a chief petty officer. I get the story, Mr. White. You and Miss Lane and Mr. Kent and the boy here were on your boat, the Marauder, two miles off the Sands Point Inlet, right? Yes, that's right. Okay, go on from there. Well, Kent noticed something on the horizon and insisted that we investigate. Well, no, Mr. White, it was Miss Lane. Don't you remember? Oh, son, if you open your mouth again, I'll... But, I'll... Mr. White, I'll... All right, who spotted the barge first? No, I don't remember. Might have been Lois who saw it first, but anyway, it was Kent who insisted on investigating. I see. So Kent was particularly anxious, was he? Of course. He was anxious to find out what it was. 
He's a newspaper man. No, darn good one. What about you? You're a newspaper man. Well, what of it? You weren't anxious to investigate it. You said so yourself. You fought against it. Oh, no, I wouldn't say I exactly fought against it. Oh, sure you did, Chief. Don't you remember? You For the last time, be quiet. We can listen. Now, let's get one thing straight. Did you agree about the investigation, or didn't you? Well, it's true. At first, I was skeptical. But then Kent convinced me. Uh-huh. And he was also the one who noticed that the barge was built in the year 1202. Funny, isn't it, that no one else saw that before he pointed it out? I don't see anything funny about it. Then I'll tell you, reporters have a habit of dreaming up stories like this one. Are you implying that Kent manufactured this whole thing? It could be. Well, all I can say is you'd better be careful about any insinuations you make against my reporters or me. I've still got some influence in Washington. Hold it, a and I'll... hold it, hold it. Ryan talking. That report on the barge, Chief, it just arrived. Shoot it in here fast. Okay. No, so the reports come in. That's fine. Now you'll see that Kent was right. The barge must have been built in 1202. We'll see, Mr. White. We'll see. Uh, here you are, Chief. Oh, thanks, Chief. Yes, sir. Is there only one copy of that report, or can I read it, too? It's only one copy. Well, what does it say? I'll tell you in a minute, son. I'll bet. I'll bet a month's salary it says Mr. Kent is right. As a matter of fact, son, it does. Oh. Of course. The samples of the wood, according to this report, show it was built in the early 1100s. You mean it's been in the water all this time? Oh, don't be silly. Let's see. It says here, no barnacles or moss. Probably not in water more than seven or eight days. Oh, where's it been all this time, then? That's what I'd like to know. Is, uh, is there any uh, further information given in the report? Only that a type of growth was found attached to the sides and bottom of the boat, which is not present in the waters along this coast, but which is quite typical of tropical sea vegetation. <laughs> well, that certainly makes the whole thing a lot clearer. Well, don't worry. We'll clear it up before we're through. Well, there's nothing more we can tell you. Come along, Jim. We're leaving. Not so fast, Mr. White. You'll have to stick around a while. What? Me too, Captain? No, you run along, son. We'll call you if we want you. Oh, okay. Well, I'll see you back at the hotel, Chief, in a little while. I hope. Leaving the Coast Guard office, Chief hurries to the dock where the mysterious barge is moored, but learns from a watchman that Clark Kent and Lois Lane have taken the sleeping girl to their hotel. Meanwhile, in the hotel room, Horace Pinder, the elderly musician, is developing the bird's melody on his flute as Lois and Superman look on. That's wonderful. She's moved both her arms now. Yes, yes, it's truly remarkable. I have always known that music enriches life, but I have never seen it actually give life back before. Well, now that you've come this far, getting the rest of the song shouldn't be too difficult. I think not. The really difficult part was getting the right key and tonal scale. Well, then, I think my work here is done. Well, goodbye, Superman. Goodbye. You have made me very happy giving me the opportunity to be of help. I was glad to do it, Mr. Pinder. Oh, Superman. Yes, Miss Lane. Would you try to locate Clark Kent, please? I know he'd want to be here now. Oh, or yeah, yes, I certainly will. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Hey, Mr. Kent. Oh, hello, Jim. Where you been all this time? At the Coast Guard office. We better get inside, Jim. Let's see what's happening. Hey. Clark, oh. So glad you're back. And Jimmy. Hi, Miss Lane. Where have you been, Jim? He's been at the Coast Guard office all this time, but I was just going to ask you, Jim, where's Mr. White? Oh, they kept him down there. They wouldn't what? let him come with me. Why not? I don't know. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Pinder, this is Clark Kent. You know Clark, the man Mr. Kogal told you about. Oh, how to do, sir, but I thought you lived in Arizona. I do. Indeed, I do. But I had the pleasure of flying here with Superman. Superman? Was he here? Oh, excuse me. I'm Jim Olson. I am happy to meet you. Yes, Superman was here. I, I can vouch for that myself. I had a 
Listen, shucks. Clark. Yes, Lois? I want to apologize. You were right. The strange melody the bird keeps singing does have something to do with waking her up. And it's really working? Indeed it is. It is almost a miracle. Hey, what are you all talking about? Won't somebody let me in on it? We'll show you in a minute, Jim. Remember how the doctor couldn't wake the girl up? Oh, yeah, I remember. Just watch her now when Mr. Pinder plays on his flute. Yes. Just you watch her. Almost transfixed, Lois, Jimmy, and Clark Kent watched the sleeping girl's head move slowly from side to side as the melodious notes of the flute filled the room. And now, back to the adventures of Superman! Gosh, she moved. She really did. Yes, her head and her arms. Did you notice that, Mr. Pinder? Yes, I did, I did. Try it again, Mr. Pinder. Very well. Notice she, she kept wetting her lips with her tongue. That means her sense of taste is now awake again. Well, what happens next, Mr. Kent? I've practically completed the melody, you know, Mr. Kent. Then it it should work out just right. Well, let's not talk anymore. Let's get it over with. I can't wait to find out who she is. Well, neither can I. We'd better all be still now while Mr. Pinder plays. That would be best, I think. The first sound she hears consciously should probably be the music. She's awake. Why, she's awake. It is a miracle. Wait a minute. She's trying to say something. Mystified, Lois, Kent, and Jimmy listened to the strange words uttered by the mysterious young girl. What quaint manner of speech is this? Is it partly a foreign tongue? Or is it possible that her words, like the barge on which she was found, are relics of a long-forgotten past? And who is Nakoma? Gang, you won't want to miss tomorrow's exciting episode when the mysterious girl tells her weird story. So tune in same time, same station for Chapter 5 of The Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!
thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today... Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen are amazed when they hear the strange fashion in which the mysterious Sleeping Beauty talks. Nakuma. Nakuma. Put her up, though. She's talking to the bird, and he understands her. Quiet, Jim. Nakuma. Thou art safe and well. It does my heart good to see thee. Clark, her manner of speech. Yes, it's as if she's come from the 12th century. That's the language they used 700 years ago. Today, boys and girls, we pay tribute to a great man who died last week. Father Flanagan is his name, and he was known far and wide as the beloved founder of Boys Town. Many, many times during his life, the famous Nebraska priest was known to say, there is no such thing as a bad boy. That was his motto and his creed. And it wasn't just a collection of words to him. Father Flanagan lived by that credo since the time, 25 years ago, when two starving newsboys and three other lads charged with delinquency were sent to him. He took them in and with them started his boy's town home. The home grew and received more and more public acclaim until today there are 5,000 homeless boys living there. Today there are dormitories, business offices, grade and high schools, farm buildings, and a thriving community in boy's town. Democracy is the keynote wherever you go in the community of boys, which is governed by a mayor and six commissioners whom they elect twice a year. The boys are of many races and religions, for although the founder of Boys Town was a Catholic priest, he knew that there is no such thing as a bad boy in any race or religion. Young men from all walks of life will mourn Father Flanagan because he was a good friend, a man who was able to see the best in any boy, no matter how tough he might appear to be on the surface. Now it's up to you boys to prove Father Flanagan was right when he believed that there is no such thing as a bad boy and that all kinds of people, just like the citizens of Boys Town, can live together in understanding, peace, and harmony. And now, the adventures of Superman. 
almost as fabulous as the Man of Steel himself is the strange experience in which he now finds himself involved. The mysterious girl, a modern sleeping beauty found unconscious aboard an ancient barge five miles off the coast of Florida, has finally been awakened. And the very manner of her awakening was in itself strange. Discovering that the beautiful scarlet bird that seemed to be the girl's pet kept whistling a half-completed melody, Clark Kent reasoned that perhaps the entire melody might rouse her from her weird spell. Enlisting the aid of Horace Pinder, an aged musician and flute player, and an expert on ancient music, Kent carried the experiment through to a successful conclusion. And now, as we join him in the room of a small Florida hotel, he and Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and Horace Pinder look on as the girl, stretched out on the bed, opens her eyes and utters her first words. attention. Voices. I hear human voices. Don't be frightened. Who art thou? Why dost thou surround me? We've been lizards. She talks like something out of an old book. What sayeth the stripling? I do not understand. The bird is strange. Kuma, where hast thou let me? Clark, you better tell her. She's terribly upset. Yes, uh, you, you, you must not become nervous or excited. You are among friends. What words thou speakest? You? You? I do not understand the meaning of you. Oh, uh, it means the same as thou or thee. The same as thou or thee? Yes. You? It is strange. Strange, too, is this place I find myself. Why do I not see the endless sky above me? You're in a room in a hotel. Hotel? Don't bother with all that now, Clark. Find out who she is. Danzel's voice. It is warm and soothing. I recognize that in a friend. I am a friend. Perhaps you can tell us your name. Yea, I am called the Breath Payton. And this, my fateful bird, I call Nakoma. Breath Payton. That's a lovely name. It was given me by my mother. This made up of many things. Reverence, patience, and tenderness. Reverence. Thou seest? Yes. Kindly aged man, why doth he remain silent? Mr. Pinder? I am silent, child. Only because I realize I'm in the presence of a miracle. I have lived many years and seen many things. But nothing that has so stirred me. Thy voice. Gentle and ripe with wisdom. Brings visions of my counselor and friend. What do you mean? Gosh, you know what, Mr. Kent? What, Jim? Rev. Payton talks the way they talk in William Shakespeare's plays. You know, the Merchant of Venice and the Tempest. That's right. Tell us, Rev. Payton, where do you come from? Where were you born? In the fair land of Illyria. Illyria? Well, that's the name of the barge. Yea. The Longstance, it were the king's barge. Well, what we'd like to know, Rev. Payton, is how you happen to be on the barge. Who put you there? It's a tedious and not too pleasant to chronicle. And I would not burden thee with... Oh, wait. I would not burden you with it. 
that is right? Yes, that's perfect. But you won't be burdening us at all, Rev. Payton. We're overcome with curiosity. Well, even Jim, the, the stripling, can't contain himself. Hey, once and for all, what's a stripling? Nothing <laughs> you have to worry about, Jim. It means a young man. Oh, that's okay. Excuse me. Yes, Mr. Fender. Perhaps Rev. Payton is too tired to tell her story now. She has gone through quite an ordeal, you know. You're probably right. Suppose we leave you alone for a while, Rev. Payton. No, no. There is so much I wish to ask of you. Well, of you. We've lost of time for that. As a matter of fact, Clark, you better call the doctor. Great Scott, I forgot about that. He may want us to give us some food or water. He called from my room. We'll, we'll leave you alone for a few minutes, Rep. Payton. Just rest and get some strength back. If you need us, call out. We'll be right in the next room. Thy names. Huh? I do not know thy names. Oh, that's right, you don't. The young lady is Lois Lane. Lois Lane. That's right. It is at the soft murmuring of a mountain brook, Lois Lane. Uh-huh. And this is Mr. Pinder, the musician who awakened you. Awakened me? Hmm? Did not a coma awaken me? Oh, well, we'll tell you about that later. Now, this uh, stripling's name is Jimmy Olson. I'm glad to meet you, Rep. Payton. My name is Clark Kent. Clark Kent. That's right. I trust I shall remember. Well, now we leave you just for a while, but if you should need us, call. So be it. Come, Jim. Mr. Pinder. I I will await thy return with great expectation. Don't worry, we'll be back. Oh, she's simply delightful, Clark. I'm mad about yeah, her. Yeah, she's swell. There's only one thing I don't understand. Oh, there are a lot of things we don't understand yet. Now, here we are. Boss? Thanks. Spender? Thank you. Go ahead, Jim. The first thing you'd better do, Clark, is call the doctor and tell him what happened. Well, suppose you get him on the phone for me, Jim. Okay, what's the number? He's at the Everglades Hospital in Palm City. His uh-huh. name is Avery, Dr. Avery. They'll probably find him in the laboratory. Okay. Thanks. Well, what do you make of it, Clark? Frankly, nothing at the moment. What do you think, oh. Mr. Pinder? I am both puzzled and fascinated. As for an answer, I have none. There's only one possible answer. It's quite evident that she doesn't come from a 20th century civilization. Now, if you're going to tell us she was born in the 12th century, Clark, you can stop right no, there. No, not born in the 12th century, Lois, but raised in a 12th century atmosphere. Remember, she was puzzled about the ceiling of the room. Well, didn't rooms have ceilings in the 12th century? Well, yes, but they weren't made of plaster. Dr. Avery, hold on. I guess Jim's got the number. Okay, Mr. Kent. Okay, thanks a lot, Jim. Hello, Doctor. Uh, yes, Mr. Kent. I'm calling to tell you that we awakened the girl. Uh huh. She's fully awake now. How did you manage it? Well, I'll tell you as briefly as I can. Working on the theory that the bird's peculiar whistle had something to do with the deep sleep she was in, we contacted a musician and had him complete the melody the bird was singing. It was amazing. As Clark Kent recounts to the doctor the miracle of Rick Payton's awakening, something strange and unforeseen is happening in the adjoining room where the still mysterious girl was left alone with her pet bird. And now... Back to the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent has just concluded his conversation with the doctor and returns the receiver to its hook. What did he say, Clark? We're to give her a quarter of a glass of lukewarm water every hour for the next four hours. No food? No, not until she's had a full glass of water. And she mustn't get out of bed. You'd better get in there and start the treatment. Well, I'll go with him, me too. No, no, you'd better stay here, Jim. The doctor said she mustn't have too much excitement. Keep Mr. Pinder company till we get back. Okay. Come on, Lois. Right. How long did the doctor say she had to stay in bed? Oh, just a few days. She's got to get some nourishment first, but in easy stages. Here we are. Open the door gently. She may be asleep. Oh, yes, sure. Is she asleep? What? Great Scott! What's the matter? She... She's gone! No! Yes! The bed's empty! Both she and the bird are gone! (laughs) 
Stunned, Kent and Lois stare at the empty bed. Could this have all been a mad dream? Was there a girl named Rev Payton who seems to have come out of a civilization long since dead and buried? Fellows and girls, this is mystery heaped on mystery. So don't miss one exciting word of what follows. Never has Superman been involved in so curious and puzzling an adventure as this one. And this is only the beginning. So be sure to listen tomorrow for Chapter 6 of the Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. The Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, is with Lois Lane when they find Rev Payton, the mysterious sleeping beauty, missing. She's gone, Lois. The room is empty. Well, that's impossible. Impossible or not, it's true. Look, the bed's empty and... And the bird is gone, too. Gang, I just want to tell you a few words about a young fellow whose name is Chris Yorkus. Chris is 13 years old and a very nice boy. But he's having a great deal of trouble growing up healthy. As a matter of fact, although he is 13 years old, Chris only weighs about 40 pounds. That sounds incredible, doesn't it? Because most of you who are the same age weigh somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 pounds. Now you ask, why is Chris Yorkus so thin, so much underweight? Well, it's simply because he doesn't get enough to eat. 
And what he does get is not the kind of food that puts flesh on a fellow's bones. Now, it isn't because his mother doesn't want to give him the proper foods, or even because he doesn't want to eat. Chris's condition is due to the fact that in the war-ravaged country where he lives, he just can't get the proper foods. You see, Chris Marcus is just one of millions of boys and girls overseas who, since the war, have slowly been starving to death through no fault of their own. Like the others in the same boat with him, Chris's weakened condition is due to malnutrition, improper clothing, and other unhealthful conditions which have led to his becoming sick. Now, Chris and all the boys and girls like him are looking for you to help them. You can do it by joining your local chapter of the Crusade for Children, which is sponsored by the American Overseas Aid United Nations Appeal for Children. Don't waste time. Do it at once. Your prompt response to this appeal will help to save Chris's life and the lives of millions of other unfortunate boys and girls like him. And now, the adventures of Superman. Yesterday, as you remember, having succeeded in awakening the mysterious sleeping beauty, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and the elderly musician, Mr. Pender, left her alone with her pet bird in a coma and stepped into the adjoining hotel room to call the doctor. Learning from the doctor that the girl must be given small amounts of water at regular intervals, Kent and Lois returned to her room to begin the treatment, only to discover that both the girl and the bird were gone. Jim, something terrible has happened. Mr. Pender's asleep. He was tired, and I got him to stretch out on the bed, and he fell asleep. Close the door. No, we've got to leave it open. Why? Girl, Rev Payton is missing. Missing? What do you mean? She's not in the room, and neither is the bird. Clark's going to look for them, and he said to leave the door of this room open. Golly, where'd she go? Well, now, if I knew Jim, I wouldn't be standing here talking about it. But, but she was weak as her cat. How'd she get out of bed? I don't know, but I'm afraid... Lois. Who's that? Mr. Kent. He's got Rev Payton. He's carrying her. Good heavens! Now, there's nothing to cry about, Rev Payton. It's all right. She made a mistake, that's all. Clark, where did you find her? At the waterfront. She thought we were angry with her, so she decided to run away and not bother us. Oh, you poor child. Now, here, dry your eyes with this handkerchief. And you must promise us never to do anything like that again. We're your friends, Rev Payton. We want to help you. Promise? I, I give thing my word. That's better. Now, just relax and tell us your story. Where you came from and how you happened to be on that barge floating out at sea. After all, we can't help you unless we know who you are. I will tell thee gladly. Many long years ago, before my father's time, and yea, before his father's time, a small band of people fleeing the hardships and oppression that had been visited upon the land of their birth, joined together under a benevolent ruler, and resolved forthwith to seek elsewhere a haven of peace and contentment. And so... On an appointed day, many ships set sail upon the sea, led by the magnificent barge of the king, the Illyria. Ninety days and nights the ships sailed on, driven by favorable winds. Finally, land was sighted. Our pilgrimage is at an end. Here will we rest our weariness, my countrymen. In yonder verdant hills, far removed from the strife of men, shall we find peace. What saith Hercamine, my counselor? Dost agree, O wise one? Thy judgment, sire, is as always beyond reproach. Then so be it. And so it came to be that the land in which I was born was founded. My people built their homes for peace, for goodwill, for gracious living. Crime was not known to us. 
nor with slavery, nor any form of injustice from which my people had suffered before they took their wanderings. But still, they did not feel entirely safe. One day a voice rose above all others in the meeting hall of the Supreme Council. I propose that we surround ourselves with huge walls and heavy iron rock gates. I further propose that these gates be sealed to allow no stranger to enter and none of us to emerge. Aye, good idea. What says Herkin to this strange proposal? Sire, can we not soften this decree? Can we not say that once a year our gates will be opened so that those of our people who wish to stay no longer may leave to wander where they will? Methinks it is a wise suggestion. Is agreed? Is agreed. Aye. So be it decreed. And that decree remained the supreme law of our land. One day, not so many years ago, among the strangers who joined us, there was one who was unlike all the others. His name was Franz. He was of medium height. His hair was thin on his head. And the tones of his voice were harsh and not too pleasant to the ear. But his mind was quick and sharp, and he caught the confidence of many of my countrymen. So much so, that at the death of my father, who had ruled well, he became Grand Master of our land. One day, I was sitting in the garden of Hercule in the council, when Nakuma came to rest on my shoulder. What is down I build, Nakuma? Forsooth, a slip of paper, with writing upon it. It is not tongue I need to read nor speak. But wait, Herkimen comes, he will know. Ah, greetings, fair Ephaeton. How good it is to find thee sunning thyself in my garden. Look, Herkimen, see what Nakoma has brought to amuse me. What trifles amuse thee, child? It is not but a piece of paper. Nay, it is no mere slip of paper. There's writing about it. Strange and unknown writing. Look. What says it, Herkimen? What says it? I cannot tell at this moment, my dear, but I fear it bodes ill, for there is a name affixed to it, a name we both know, belonging to one we do not trust. Fascinated, Kent Lois and Jimmy listen breathlessly as Rev. Payton unfolds her strange story. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Did Hutamin the Wise summon the Grand Master? The name of the Princess Rethetnai. Was it thy will, my princess, that I come? It was my will. Then, though I am Grand Master of Illyria, holder of the highest office in the land, I am pleased to await thy pleasure. Speak, Herkimene. Mayhap tis of no great moment, but the bird of the Princess Rethetnai found this scrap of paper we know not where. It bears thy name at the bottom of it. At also, it is written in a strange tongue which only the wise man, Herkimen, can read. Dost know of what thou accusest me? We know full well. Frot, when the people of Valyria welcomed thee within their gates, thou gavest thy solemn oath never to communicate with the outside world again. Why art thou telling me this? Because this note is witness that thou hast formerly, art now continuing to traffic with strangers who live without our gates. That, as thou knowest, is the highest crime in Illyria. I am a patient man, Princess Arpaton. And I have hearkened unto thee, knowing full well the debt I owe the people of Illyria. But 
I am not guilty of the crime of which I stand accused. Thou accusest someone else in Illyria of inviting a warlike people with warlike instruments into our fair country. Is that what was written on the paper, Hercules? I repeat, the Princess Blanche's. She draws white. Yes, who would not? Thou art a traitor, betrayer of the peace-loving people who gave thee sanctuary and bestowed upon thee the highest order of the land. Twas not I who brought the laws of communication with the outside. Whom dost thou accuse, then? None other than she, who sits pale and trembling before us. What? Darest thou accuse the princess, Ref Peyton? Thou darest accuse me of treason? Me, Ref Peyton, oldest daughter of our kingly family? Thou darest? I am. Now I, France, Grand Master of Syria, do accuse the princess Ref Peyton of treason to her people and to her country. And on this day, at this moment... I, Franz, condemn the Princess of Peyton to death. Her cheeks burning with a feverish glow, Rep Peyton pauses in her story as Kent, Lois, and Jimmy are held spellbound. How did she escape the death decree of the villainous Grand Master, Franz? And who placed her under the strange spell from which she was finally awakened? Rev. Payton's story continues tomorrow, so don't miss it. Be sure to hear Chapter 7 of The Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comic Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serials soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman and his guise of Clark Kent listens in shocked amazement as the Princess Rep. Peyton continues her amazing story and reaches the part where she is condemned to death. And so all hope was gone. The end had come. You mean the council voted to take your life? I see, Kent. But... Listen, and you shall hear how it came to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner we have Alfred Kahn. Amateur light heavyweight boxing champion of New York State. 21 years old and weighing 175 pounds. 
Gang, that's our introduction of a six-foot black-haired fighter who is probably the only ring champion to develop behind the barbed wire of a concentration camp. Al came to the United States last September, and his swinging fists have landed him all over New York sporting pages. Possessor of a powerful right and a vicious left hook, he won the New York Golden Gloves Light Heavy Crown in February by virtue of three consecutive knockouts. The young fighter was born in Germany, but when he was 12 years old, he and his family had to escape the Nazis. They managed to reach Shanghai, and everything was okay until Pearl Harbor. Right after that, the Japanese troops seized Shanghai, and the refugees were put behind barbed wire. That's where Al began to train as a boxer. With one eye on the lookout for the brutal Jap guards, Al would spar with his brother and other refugee youngsters in the concentration camp. When the war ended, Al registered in the boxing division of the Jewish Recreation Club in Shanghai. In spite of the fact that he was underweight and undernourished because of his years as a prisoner of the Japs, Al managed to rack up a brilliant boxing record there, beating everyone in sight. Last fall, Al Khan came to this country as an immigrant. Today, he's on his way to boxing success. Take our tip, gang, and keep an eye peeled for the fighter who trained behind barbed wire and wears the Star of David on his trunks. Who knows? Someday, we may be reading about Al Khan, heavyweight champion of the world. And now, the adventures of Superman. Yesterday, as you remember, the mysterious Princess Rev Payton, freed from the curious spell under which she had been sleeping, began to tell her strange and fascinating stories. Lois Lane, Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and the old musician, Mr. Pinder, had listened intently without a single interruption. But now, Kent notices that she is growing pale from exhaustion. You're tired, Princess Rev Payton. You should rest a little now. Nay, Sarah. My name is Clark Kent, and here in America we say Mr., not Sarah. Tis agreed. And now... Shall I proceed with my tale? Well, do you feel strong enough? Aye. The scientist has left me. But where did I leave off? Well, you told us how in the coma your bird had found a strange piece of paper that Perkamine, the high counselor, suspected was a message to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Perkamine then accused Franz, the Grand Master. Uh, have I got that right so far? This perfectly recalled. Well, there wasn't much more because when he was accused, Franz turned upon you and condemned you to death for treason. Aye. And that's where you stopped. Now, what happened then? How was it that your life was spared? And, and why were you placed on the open sea to die? Aye. Tis there that my tale goes, grows stranger still. Oh? Herkimine, shattered with grief at the pronouncement of the Grand Master, broke all existing rules and demanded a hearing of my case in a special session of the High Council. I was locked away in my chamber while the Council gathered to consider the matter. Gentlemen of the council, it is only out of reverence for the illustrious name of our princess that today I have permitted the council to gather to hear the evidence in the matter of her plot of treason against Illyria. Let her come in speak. Let us hear the venerated counselor that he defends the girl. Speak, then, her come in. My brothers, what can an old man say to a charge such as this? brought against an innocent girl, nay, a child. Think of the blameless life our princess has lived, and think of the deep love she has awakened in all our hearts. We speak here not of sentiment, but of facts, Counselor. Thine appeal to our hearts will avail thee not. I know thee, France, for what thou art. I do not appeal to thee for mercy for that Peyton, 
But to those of us who have known her much longer than thou. Then we shall see how these her older friends cast their votes. So be it. I, Franz Grandmaster of Valeria, do hereby in open council condemn the Princess Rev Patron to death for the crime of treason. Those who vote aye, raise your hands. Clerk, make the count. The hands count one and twenty, and I cast mine, which maketh two and twenty. And all those who wish to say nay, raise their hands. Old man, thy votes are one and twenty against my two and twenty. The will of the Grand Master is supreme. And so the die was cast. The Council had spoken. Thereafter, no one was permitted to communicate with me until Herkimen came bearing the poison cup, which was to put me to sleep forever. I was alone in my locked chamber, alone save for Akoma, the faithful Akoma, the unswerving, when suddenly the door opened. Herkimen! My princess. Thou bearest a cup in thy hand. Aye, it is a bitter cup, a cup of sorrow. The council hath condemned me. Aye. Franz convinced them of thy guilt. And I must die? I must die? Nay, nay, my child, methinks not so. I mean, it's so Herkimen. What ought can happen now? Thou sayest the Count. Calm thyself, princess, calm thyself. I have a plan. I will not let thee die. What daring plan does Herkimen propose to try? He knows full well the defiance of the Grand Master, Franz, will mean death for him, too, if discovered. Nevertheless, he goes ahead. How? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Archimene has just informed Rev. Payton of a plan he has in mind to defy Franz, the Grand Master, and save the princess from her doom. Listen. What is it, Archimene? Tell me, what meanest thou to do? It is simple. I shall lull thee to sleep with a strange melody played on my flute. But... First call thy bird, Nakoma. That will I do. Nakoma, Nakoma, here, on my shoulder. Now speak to him, for the sound of thy command he will never forget. But what shall I command him? To hearken to the melody I play, for the same melody which will put thee to sleep will be needed to awaken thee again. Hearken, Nakoma, unto the melody heard him in place, and repeat the song forthwith. Remembers well. Aye, aye. Now he will hear the rest of it. Then will he repeat it thrice over. But first, my child, lie thou still on this couch. Close thine eyes. Let thy limbs grow heavy. Have no fear, for I am beside thee. So that's how you fell asleep for a pain. I missed. Kent, so gently was I placed under the tender spell. I felt naught but peace and contentment. And I suppose that's all you remember. That is, until Mr. Pinder here awoke you with his flute. Me? I remember everything. Well, I don't understand. 
You said you were asleep. I was asleep, it is true. But the sleep that held me was of a strange nature. I could hear all that transpired about me. Oh, but you couldn't move or see or speak, is that it? I. But let me go on with my story. My people were already preparing my strange burial craft. It was the royal barge on which they had first sailed to Illyria. The movements and voices around me seemed far, far off as in a dream. A dream from which I did not awaken. Bow thy heads, my countrymen, for if Peyton is dead, reverence, patience, and tenderness in Illyria is dead. Place her now upon the red draped bier. Now, all who desire to say a last farewell to their princess, step forward. Cease! Have done! First, I will make certain that my will has been done, that life is gone from her. Dost thou suspect me of duplicity? I, old man, thrice over. And I warn thee, if the princess be not dead, if thou hast tried to foil me once again, twill go well neither with her nor with thee. Having recited the last ominous warning of the evil Grand Master of Illyria, young princess sinks back on her bed exhausted. As Jimmy Olsen rushes to get her some water, Lois and Clark wait tensely for the conclusion of her strange tale. How did Hercamine keep Franz from discovering the trick played on him that Rev Payton had not yet paid with her life? We'll know tomorrow when we hear Chapter 8 of The Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, the Princess Rev Payton tells Superman, in the disguise of Clark Kent, how she was cast adrift on the open sea and how she came perilously close to death. Times, the barge on which I lay was rocked by gentle breezes. But then at other times, it pitched and tossed like a thing gone mad, and I feared for my life. It must have been a horrible experience. Aye, Sarah, it was all of that. But even more than the winds and the storms, there was the great winged creature that swooped from the sky to attack me. You mean a huge bird? Aye. List. I shall tell thee about it. (laughs) 
It doesn't seem possible, does it, gang, that the Dodgers, who were pennant winners of last year, are in the cellar of the National League today. But that's the breaks. Experts say the real trouble with the Dodgers is that they haven't enough top-flight pitchers. Well, could be. You know, it doesn't do a team much good to have a slick outfield if the pitcher keeps throwing fat balls to every batter who walks up to the plate. And such, unfortunately for them, is the situation in Brooklyn. For one thing, Hugh Casey, the fine relief pitcher who did so much to help the Dodgers win the pennant last year, fell and hurt himself just recently. He'll be out for a few months. And the rest of the hurlers are either overworked or just haven't got the stuff. You see, gang, it only goes to prove that for a team to stay on top, every man has to be at his best. And all men must work together smoothly. When one position is weak, pitching, catching, infield, whatever it is, then the whole team is weak. You need everyone working at top level before you can have a championship team and a pennant winner. Well, our nation is pretty much the same as a baseball team. We need all our people of every race and religion, from every kind of background and ancestry, all working together and doing a top-notch job. That's how we get things done. That's how we can set the greatest production records in history. How we can build skyscrapers and railroads, harvest fields of wheat and corn. That's how we can make America a country of miracles. Miracles accomplished by everyone working together and doing his very best. Gang, today the United States of America holds the pennant as champion of the International League. Let's make sure our country keeps the championship. We can only do that by working together. And now, the adventures of Superman! Yesterday, as you remember, the Princess Rep Payton had solved one mystery for her spellbound listeners, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen, when she told them how she escaped the death sentence pronounced upon her by France, the Grand Master of Illyria. Hercamine, her friend and protector, had lulled her to sleep by means of an ancient melody, and her bird, Nekoma, had been taught this melody so that he could awaken her when the burial barge on which she was to be placed was well to sea. Point in her story, Rev. Payton sank back on her bed as though still stricken by the terror she felt at the moment when it actually happened. I can almost feel the breath of the evil France upon me. Never would I forget the dread in my heart as I heard him approach the barge. Had he discovered that still I lived, it would have meant not only my own doom, but that of Hercumin as well. You needn't be afraid anymore. You're well protected now, and Franz is very far away. The strange, but I feel him naive at this moment. Even as thou speakest, I feel him close to me. I am afraid. Oh, please don't worry, Rep. Payton. Just go on with your story. Tell us what really happened. These strange fears may pass away. I am grateful for thy endeavors to calm my distraught mind. I shall tell thee further. Fine. Now, let's see. Where were we? You had already been placed on a barge in the ocean. Is that right? Aye. And then just as the barge was about to be cast off, Franz appeared in order to find out whether you were really dead. That was when this terrible dread filled my heart. Mm-hmm. But he never did discover that Hercamine had foiled him. Nay, it was the miracle that saved me. Miracle, you say? Aye, it's hard to believe, I know. But list of the miracle of miracles which then transpired. Franz approached the barge as it was about to be cast off, and as my friends were mourning me. Stand thou out of my path, Hercamin, or I shall strike thee down. Here will I stand, Franz, rooted to this very spot, until thou departest. Thou wilt use neither me nor the princess so shamefully, while there is still justice in Illyria. I would not strike thee, old man. Out of my way, I say. The clouds are gathering, France. Beware. I would care I for the clouds in the heavens. Let me pass. Depart forthwith, or I shall summon thunder to deafen thee, and lightning to blind thee. Cease thy stupid mumbling. Lightning. 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 Lightning.
me. For it's not my intention to stir the wrath of the gods. Cast her off. Cast off the bards. Let the gods punish us. I cast, cast her off. her off. Release the bards from Hoburi. my friend, how this miracle was performed. But this I know, that only by that miracle was I saved. From the moment the bard had been cast off from shore, the rumble of thunder and the flashes of lightning disappeared. It's remarkable. Tell me, Ref Payton, have you any idea how long you were on the ocean? Nay, Sarah. Days and nights passed me by without my taking notice. I seem to have lost all sense of time. It seems to me Herkimine was taking quite a chance. I mean, if we hadn't found you, you might have died. It is true. But there was not else we could do. No, I suppose not. Do you feel strong enough to go on, Ruth Payton? Aye. There is little more to tell. It was strange to be there on that barge. Imagine it to thyself. Thou listeneth to the lapping of the waters. But canst not tell whence it cometh and where it goeth. And this body spirit was I. Little more. Once in every while I passed a tiny island. This I knew by the stirring of trees and grasses. At one time, the barge was rocked by tender breezes. At another, we were caught as in a snare by the heavy winds and rolling sea. And all the while, poor Nakoma cried over and over again his pitiful little tune. My heart cried out to him, but he could not hear. I wished so to live, but to move was beyond me. We were too hapless creatures cast out upon the sea, defenseless and alone. But Thunakuma forgot my song. He never left my side, but nestled in the folds of my robe, close by my arm. And there he stayed until one moment, not very long ago, we heard a fearful sound. This time, as if the roar of millions of birds it was darkening, and Nakuma flew to his perch and lost him. How was he to protect me now? Closer and closer the war came. As for the rest of my tale, my friends, thou knowest it as well as I. That roar was made by thine own craft. Oh, you mean the motor of our boat frightened you? Aye. Oh. It was a sound neither Nakoma nor I had ever heard before in our lives. Well, Nakoma meant to fight. We can vouch for that. He almost scared us to death when he attacked us. Truly, we beg thy forgiveness. Oh, no, not at all. We're very grateful to Nakoma. If it hadn't been for the glow he gives off in the dark, we would never have found you. Tis well I know. My life was saved by my bird. Say, by the way, Rev. Payton, at the beginning of your story, you told us that Nakoma had flown away with the note Franz had written. I, he picked it off the table with his beak and forthwith flew out of Herkimen's study. Well, do you happen to know what he did with it? Nay, I'd forgotten all about it. Oh? Well, uh, since he seems to understand you, perhaps you can ask him. Perhaps he's hidden it somewhere. I will try. Nakoma, Nakoma, fly to my shoulder. <whistles> Nakoma, think well. Remember the slip of paper that once did spring to me? Didst thou hide it? Good bird, sweet bird. Tell thy ref Payton. Did you hide it in Illyria? <coughs> Not in Illyria? Then whither didst thou carry it? Unto the border, mayhap. <coughs> Good and faithful, Nakuma. Uh, d- does that mean yes? Aye, on the barge is the paper to be found. Well, tell him to fetch it, ref Payton, quickly. It, it, it may be very important. Nakuma, go thou and seek out from its hiding place the slip of paper. 
for thou hast found it, bring it forthwith to me. Wait a minute. I- I'll open the window for him. Go, Nakoma. Go. And so Nakoma flies to fetch a mysterious slip of paper. Is it still on the barge? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Rev Payton and Clark Kent, as well as the others in the hotel room, are anxiously awaiting Nakoma's return with the mysterious note. When suddenly, from afar off, Rev Payton hears the familiar whir of wings. It's Nakoma. He returned. Yes, I can see him now. He's got something in his bill. Rest on my shoulder, Nakoma. He's got the note. Here, wait. I'll take it from you. Nakoma, why dost thou fly away? It's no bind this time. Sarah can't means no harm. Back to my shoulder. Pretty Sarah. Take thou the note. All right. Yeah, I've got it. What? Great Scott! So pale, Sarah. What disturbance? Why, it's incredible. If I didn't see this with my own eyes, I... I wouldn't believe it. Clark Kent, pale and tense, hands the mysterious to Lois to examine. What is it that has excited him so, even drained the color from his cheek? We'll know Monday, and it's a startling surprise, so don't miss it. Be sure to tune in Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 9 of The Mystery of the Sleeping Beauty on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday to Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>